We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Sean Davis here for LakersNation.com. You want for everything Lakers. The Lakers get destroyed. Um, losing tonight, 138 to 94, just utterly disgraceful performance from this Lakers team. We're going to dive in here to uh, into the X's and O's or whatever and, you know, stuff that the Lakers can improve upon, but I'm not going to lie. Like, this is probably going to be the toughest post-post game show we've ever had. So, uh, welcome in from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We're going to vent, and we're going to have uh, – I'm hoping that by the end of this, we can kind of take a collective, like, cyber leap and, and realize uh, that there's another game in 48 hours. And that is the beauty about basketball, uh, that it is – it's another game in 48 hours, Right. That's the beauty, or 44 hours, right? Whatever it is, right? There's another game coming up soon, right? This is like football or whatever, where you have to dwell on a, a blowout loss for six days or whatever, right? Or if you have a bye week, God forbid you have a bye week the next week, right? It, and you have to wait another, uh, another, you know, six days. So you have to wait 13 days, right, to, to play another game, right? God forbid that happens. Right. Oh, man, 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 man. Um, I, I want to start off with this. I want to start off with this. So I am, if you guys don't know already, I'm a, I'm a coach for a high school varsity basketball team. I'm like the offensive coordinator in terms of the role, right? And what I mean by that is like there obviously isn't an offensive coordinator job title, but that's why my role or whatever, right? Like I'm... Like, that's my role, right? And as a coach, right, it is your job to put your team in advantageous, um, advantageous, you know, positions to succeed, right? And uh, from the get-go, Darvin Ham and the Lakers did not do They failed, utterly failed to do that tonight. They did not put this, like, I apologize about, like, the tilt of my camera. Had some issues before we hopped on. So, bear with me, guys, and we'll have this all fixed before the uh, 
the uh, next game Wednesday night. But the, the coaches have utterly failed tonight in terms of their ability to have these guys in the best possible situation to succeed and have these guys prepared, ready to go, ready to win this game. Um, I, I, I thought I tweeted this out or I posted this or whatever on X, a great way to follow me and like get extra content with some film and stuff like that at Sean underscore DABI. And one of the things I, I looked at heading into this morning or heading into this game this morning was, okay, cool. You're facing the Sixers. How do you, how do you stop Embiid? Right? Or how do you you don't really stop him? How do you slow him down? Especially when he's gonna get all these BS regular season foul calls, right? How do you slow him down? Right. So I, I I spent a good chunk of this morning. I spent like an hour, by the way, just looking at trying to see, you know, if there's any like schematic pointers or whatever. That I think the Lakers could implement and try to slow down Joel Embiid, particularly on post touches, right? And the number one thing, again, if you guys follow me on X at Sean underscore DABI, if you guys follow me there, if you guys saw like what my kind of like takeaway from that was, it was okay, cool, double Joel Embiid, yes, yes, double, right? But there was a certain particular way that you needed to double. And there, I posted examples of this too, where I said, huh, all right, cool. The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Oklahoma City Thunder did a great job of double teaming Joel Embiid. A great job, right? They doubled from the from the baseline, right? So they, they kind of three-quarter fronted the post, forced baseline, and they sent the double from the baseline. Right. And you you kind of just rotate on the backside and it would have it would be three on two on the backside, but you had to be ready to stretch it and somebody's got to cover the gaps. Right. And it worked. It led to turnovers. It led to contested threes. Right. And that's that's what worked. And he looked at what the Brooklyn Nets did. The Nets doubled from the passer and they got shredded by it. Right. And even when, even when the net, the, the Sixers didn't score when the Nets doubled from the passer, it was a wide open three or a wide open like rim attempt, like middle in the middle of the lane. Right. And I, I saw that and I posted, I'm like, okay, cool. Look, I, that was one of the reasons why I felt good about this game. I was like, okay, cool. There is an obvious method of slowing down Joel Embiid post up post offense right to where like they have to go to something else right there was an obvious method and because i thought it was obvious i was like okay cool you know what the lakers got it i feel good about this game heading into it yada yada from the get-go the lakers said nah we're gonna ignore what the sixers i mean what what the thunder and what other teams have done really really well against joel Embiid post touches we're gonna do the exact opposite we're gonna do what we want to do which the lakers historically uh, or you know in, re- in Darvin Ham's tenure, they've been a team to double from the from the passer, right? And this is what I talk about when I say the thing that got Mike Boonholzer fired isn't necessarily because he's an awful head coach. It's because he's stubborn as hell. I'm sorry for my language, Trevor, if you're watching. He is so gosh darn stubborn. And that lends into another part that we're going to talk about later with this Lakers coaching staff. Boonholzer was stubborn. Point bank period. That's what got him fired. And so go back to Darwin. I said, 
uh, Darvin and the, and the staff, they typically like to double from the passer. But in the uh, tonight, at the end tonight, we were like, okay, no, this isn't a game you double from the passer. You double from the baseline. Double from the baseline, rotate over, stretch on the backside. And also one of the benefits of doubling from the baseline is the 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 post what they, I want you guys to vision yourselves right as a post player right if I double if I'm guarding the, the entry guy and you're a post player and I go double team you you see where the double's coming from so the pass out is way more obvious for you right it's like oh okay cool he wants to double team from the passer okay cool they're gonna bump over cool I'll hit the next guy over it's a way easier like rotation for the offensive player to pick apart, in my opinion, at least, right? The Lakers go with it. And it, it, they found in in some limited sample size, they found some success, right? But the film to me screamed double the bait from the baseline, right? Like for example, last season in the regular season, big emphasis on the regular season. When they played Denver, they doubled from the passer. It worked. But the key to that is you have to have guys locked in, ready to move on freaking flight to bump over and rotate and to take away that pass back out to the passer who's otherwise going to get a wide open three. And time after time after time, it felt like when the Lakers, I just bumped my mic. That's how mad I am about this. The Lakers gave up open three after open three after open three on Embiid post touches when they doubled because they're doubling from the passer. Against the Sixers, when, like I said, the film showed it was blatantly obvious, in my opinion. Don't double from the pass or double baseline. Cool. That's one. All right. Joel Embiid gets into foul trouble around, like, the eight-minute mark of the first quarter. Of the first quarter, he gets into foul trouble. Two fouls quickly, right? 80s cooking. And for what felt like the remainder of this first quarter, AD just doesn't get involved. Or we're not like consistently attacking Joel Embiid. WTF. What are we doing here? Get the best player on their team out of the game. Like, what are we doing? Get him out. Go at him. LeBron, AD pick and roll. AD post up. Like, I'm spamming this crap. And he ended the game with two fouls. What are we doing? And then the third thing, if you want to talk about, again, like just being just stubborn for no freaking reason, is another Darvin Ham and kind of Boone Hoser philosophy is, you know what, we are going to protect the rim first, right? And then close out on perimeter jumpers secondary, right? That is secondary, right? We are more willing to give up an open three than an open rim rim touch, which to a certain extent works. To a very certain extent, it works. But you face these elite jump shooting teams or in a game where a team is shooting every freaking thing. Okay, cool. You have to change it up. And the Lakers were so heavily like committing to having nail, like aggressive nail help, giving up open threes. And... I mean, it only took for Tyrese Maxey to hit like 18 threes and for the Sixers to shoot 20, make 22 threes as a team for them to say, huh, maybe we shouldn't just have this aggressive ass nail help. Let's 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 maybe play this too straight up or maybe let's go uh, go with the hedge and tag on the roll to make sure the roll isn't free. 
give up the drive at that point. You have Anthony Davis at the rim. We'll figure it out there. Like, come on, man. Like, you can't be this stubborn. That's what cost. That's what cost Boonehoser's job. And I don't think Darwin's getting fired, right? Darwin's not getting fired. So first off, let, let's just get that out of the way. He's not getting fired. Let's uh, like any fire Darvin Ham stuff. Like it's not going to happen, right? But, 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 that is ultimately going to hold the Lakers back if Darwin's going to be this freaking stubborn. Like, come on! Like, like thankfully for Boonehoser, he ran into Trey Young in the what in the Eastern Conference Finals. I love Trey, but he ran into Trey Young in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he ran into Chris Paul in the NBA Finals, who is like like historically known for not being able to win anything in the playoffs. Like he ra- he went through a weak Eastern Conference that year. So like, we need to have an honest conversation because this is getting ridiculous. And then like God forbid, let's like like let let's not even talk about the fact that the I, I hate the timeout narrative. You guys know I do, right? But the the. Uh, the I don't even remember where we play now. The 76ers went on like a 20 to 2 run in three and a half minutes, and Darvin never called timeout. Or like it, it, he called timeout like eight and a half possessions too late. And I understand like letting them play. I get it, right? I, I, I like letting them figure it out. You have LeBron freaking James, you have Anthony freaking Davis on this team. Amaris tells me it's 18 to 2 run, so I apologize, right? You have all the D'Lo, Austin, LeBron, AD. Like, yeah, I get it. Let them figure it out. 18 to 2 run is not figuring it out. 18 to 2 run is we are in trouble. Help us, please. I'm going to add some comedic relief here. If you guys like know Kevin Hart, I'm sure you guys do. Let me explain special 2013, the help me joke. That is the Lakers team screaming at Darvin Ham when you give up an 18 to 2 run. Help me. Help me insert word help me like that is the lakers team right there that's the lakers team that's that that's an 18 to 2 run 18 to 2 run is not like letting them figure it out letting them figure it out is a 6-0 run and you were just up like 13 or whatever that is that is letting them figure it out so like i get it but that's not it and then the freaking um the freaking uh, Jalen Hood Chippino random minutes, and he played like three minutes. Like, what was that? <laughs> oh my gosh, man! I didn't think I'd be this mad, but I'm I'm like very upset. Like, <laughs> oh man! So I appreciate you guys for sticking with me here, ranting for the first fifteen minutes of the post post game show. I'm gonna get through you guys the super chats, and uh, yeah. Yeah, get through you guys the super chats. We're gonna preview the Pistons game on Wednesday night. Then we're gonna get out of here. Like, wake up, wake up. Like, unserious. Goes back to the Denver series, man. Where I thought there was an obvious adjustment, not even adjustment. There was an obvious thing they needed to do game one, and we didn't see it until like game four. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I like that. Yeah. 
very frustrating. Because, like, again, going back to the Budenholzer thing, Budenholzer wasn't a bad schemer. He really wasn't. I'm not going to lie. Like, the schemes in Milwaukee were fine, right? It's just he was just too stubborn. Whether that's making a making a, a, a pivotal series adjustment a game and a half too late, or whether it was, you know, not making a crucial in-game adjustment until it's like a quarter and a half too late. No, be early. F it. Be early. Be early, man. Jeez. All right, let's get through some of these super chats, and then we're gonna get to uh, get to this uh, Detroit Pistons preview. I appreciate you guys hopping in here tonight. Now, I will say this, and Trevor made this he 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 made this point very clear on uh on the Lakers Station live show. This is not just a one thing. Like, Darwin was awful tonight. This is probably his worst coached game in his entire tenure as a Laker. I fully believe that. But for crying out loud, man, like, how many offensive rebounds did we give up tonight? A lot. I mean, that's kind of the story of the season. But still, right, like, they – Philly was just better. Philly was better tonight. LeBron had zero rebounds somehow. I don't think I've ever seen that happen, ever. I'm not even going to criticize Anthony Davis tonight. I don't even, I thought 80 was just fine personally, right? Uh, Christian Wood hasn't been able to hit a three to save his life. Austin Reeves, when they put pressure on him, was, was pretty suspect tonight. They had 15 offensive freaking rebounds. So the, so the, the, the rare occasion that the Lakers did get a stop, they gave it right back. Like, come on, man. All right. We do got some super chats. Mommy mentality. Number one problem is ham schemes to overhelping on defense. Well, I think the overhelping on defense blends into the schemes. But again, like, I don't even think the schemes are the problem necessarily. Like, the, the base, the foundation of the schemes is fine, I think, right? Maybe offensively, you could have a little bit more of a gripe about it because they've, like, fully converted to five out, which is super guard-oriented and things like that or, like, so you can have gripes about that, but defensively, they're fine. Like, heading into tonight, they were the ninth best defense in the NBA. We have yet to see this team play with their best perimeter defender. So, like, I don't think the schemes are fine. I think what the problem is with Darvin, I think the problem with Darvin is the inconsistent play calling, the inconsistent, the inconsistent ability to make in-game adjustments, inconsistent. He has moments where he does do it. The, the funky lineups, like, again, like, there was no reason to play Jalen hood three to four-minute uh, three-to-four-minute segment, like, in the first quarter, especially after you just gave up that massive 18-2 run. And I think Jackson Hayes was on the floor at the same time. Like, what the what are we doing? Yeah, don't even get me started about <laughs> Jackson Hayes taking threes. Um, that mic sounds a bit weird. But, um... Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Appreciate Super Chat Mamba. Uh, Joseph says, Sean, I would love to see the numbers from the amount of times D'Lo has missed a shot when we're down 12 on a comeback. Seems like every time we make a comeback, D'Lo breaks a jump shot to go ahead. Yeah. Definitely feels like, just like the momentum threes in general for this Lakers team, it never feels like they actually hit them. Avant Trader says, it's so upsetting because I just don't see that how this team can become legitimate. Title contenders don't think one trade can save us. So many holes on this team. Uh, 
part of me wants to disagree, but part of me like doesn't even want to like entertain a potential disagreement based off how tonight looked. So tonight, Avant, I'm going to give it to you. Any other night, I probably have a comeback to that. But tonight, I, I don't really have much else to say to that. DJ says, not much to say about this embarrassing loss. 22 made threes to R7. That Embiid and Maxi combo is deadly. I'm really happy for Maxi shining since the hard departure. Any silver lining that we can find. Uh, They hit everything. I guess like Philly did not miss. It felt like even, again, even when they did miss, it was a foul or it was like something, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I mean, LeBron only had one turnover. D'Lo didn't have any. Yay. I guess silver lining. Your two best playmakers had 12 assists and one turnover. I don't know. I'm reaching. I'm reaching on that one. Chris said, Torian Prince's defense tonight. Wow. When LeBron doesn't try, no one does. Talk about Torian Prince in a moment. Part of it is, like, Torian's just not that good defensively. Part of it also is Darwin and the staff are doing him no favors. Uh, I could be surfing. Sean, you're assuming Cam has an answer. Has an answer for what specifically? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What specifically there? Uh, let's see what else we let, let's see what else we got. Hamza sends a super chat. Appreciate you. 
Avant also sends in, does this prove the Lakers are researching them with Hams as a coach, really losing hope in this team? I, I again I just won't I won't lose all hope until we get all these guys back. Like I still need to see Bando on this team, get Cam back healthy, get Rui back in here, Gabe. I think we've seen moments again. Like think about think about Darvin Ham in this regard as a coach, right? Think of, of Darvin Ham as an inconsistent NFL quarterback. And what I mean by that is when he's at his best, I still think you can win a championship with Darvin when he's absolutely at his best. Like Darvin Ham, first round against the Memphis Grizzlies could win you an NBA championship. I still feel that way, right? But and this is where I'm about to get slandered at, right? So let me, please let me finish my statement. Darvin Ham at his worst. So tonight, uh, the bulk of that Denver series, right? Darvin Ham can lose you a playoff series. Darvin Ham can lose you multiple games in a row, right? But again, Darvin Ham at his best can win you games. He can win you playoff series. We saw it. Literally. He just did it. I'm oh, sorry. Um, he took this team to the Western Conference Finals. He outcoached the hell out of Taylor Ge- Taylor Jenkins, who most of NBA Twitter acknowledged as a top twelve coach in the NBA heading into that series. That's what the, that's what the sentiment on Taylor Jenkins was setting that series. It wasn't even close. He start he coached circles around Taylor Jenkins, right? And then the and then and then the second round against uh Golden State, he was on par. I'll say that he was on par with Steve Kerr. If you want to say he outcoached him, sure. If you want to say Steve Kerr slightly outcoached him, sure. I'll say on par, right? So he's done it before, right? But again, he's an inconsistent NFL quarterback, right? So where he'll have those great moments, but then like the bad is like equally bad. Right. And maybe that's why, like, some of these guys are super inconsistent. You know, the saying is for better or for worse, teams take on the identity of their head coach. So we'll see, man. I, I like, I get the sentiment, right? But, like, I, I, I still don't like have a loss, all hope. Uh, can we trust our guards? No defense, sporadic offense. <laughs> I think that, I think that. You need one of them to be like consistent offensively on a night to night basis. You have to, or it's trade. Like they have to be consistently just something like hitting threes, being a being an efficient playmaker, hitting tough contested jumpers, getting to the free throw line, getting to the rim. Like you need like one of them to be consistently good for you every single night. So I don't know. Uh, one yes, fire ham. Super chat here. One yes, fire ham. Bring Jeff Van Gundy to trade AD. I'll finish to trade AD for Miles Turner plus a power forward plus two first three. Get Rondo as a player coach for Gabe and Christie for Washington. Tyus Jones. Yeah, I'm gonna say no to to all that. I'm going to say no to all that. Um, yeah, no. I, I, I'm kind of at a loss for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, first off, who's the power forward in the deal? 
for Anthony Davis? That that's that that's like like my number one question. Um, I personally think the Rondo thing is like super super overrated and super super blown out of proportion because what this team needs isn't what Rondo's gonna be able to help you with, or what this coaching staff needs isn't what. Oh wait, dang, he did say player coach, huh? That's interesting. Um, what this team needs isn't what Rondo's like provides. What this team needs is like a veteran voice that's been like a head coach or an assistant or whatever, like a top assistant that like can help with the in-game adjustments or the rotations and timeout management. Rondo isn't going to be able to help with that because Rondo hasn't had any, any experience in that situation in terms of timeout management, like in rotation management, stuff like that, right? So not much help that uh, Rondo's going to be able to do there. Witten says, what does the defense look like with Bando and Cam? I think it has the potential, all the potential in the world to be a uh, top five defense in the world. And it was top 10 heading into the year. Okay, yes, Ronda would help. But my point is, like, with what this coaching staff needs is a guy that has experience. That's the point. What is the difference? Ham barely has that experience as a head coach. Again, you're making my point, which is why they need a veteran dude on the bench that has that experience in terms of timeout management and personnel management and rotation management. That's what I'm talking about. Rondo's a very intelligent human being, a very intelligent basketball mind. But like for what the coaching staff struggles with, Rondo wouldn't necessarily help that. All right, let's see what else we got here in the chat, and then we can, uh, I suppose, preview for uh, the Pistons game coming up. I'm not even going to look at the analytics from tonight. Uh, Terry Stotts, is that who you're talking about, Mamba? Sure, I guess. I'm assuming Terry Stotts would have come in here and like take over the offense, which, eh, I don't know. I'm assuming that's who Mama Mentality was talking about, though. All right. Let's get into it. Lakers, they play the Pistons on Wednesday night. The Pistons dropped to 2-15, and 15, so if you somehow lose this game, like, oh, my gosh, all hell is going to break loose on the timeline. Um, Like, they're just not good at anything. <laughs> Pick and roll offense. They are in the 73rd percentile. They run ball screens at the ninth, at the eighth highest frequency. They had the eighth most possessions per game out of ball screen offense, just behind the Hawks, the Cavs, the Blazers, Rockets, Bulls, Pacers, and Hornets. So you're gonna have to expect a ton of ball screen offense from this team, presumably from Cade Cunningham, maybe some Jaden Ivy thrown in there. Killian Hayes. Marcus Sasser's a stud. I love Marcus Sasser. Um, Cade, ball screen offense has not been that great. He has a pretty like decently high turnover percentage. But Cade, Cade has a ton of ball screen stuff. Like In terms of ball screen offense per game, Cade has the sixth most ball screens per game. It's Tyrese Halliburton. Trey Young, 
Lamella Ball, Luca, Fred Van Vliet, and then is Cade Cunningham. Right. And if you filter this out to players that have at least 10 possessions a game, Cade Cunningham, in terms of efficiency, is 35 out of 40. So he's in the bottom five players in the entire NBA in terms of ball screen efficiency. Um, I guess I'll take a look at the film tomorrow, see what see what he does and or like what he struggles with out of ball screens, like why their offense like tanks. When it's a K Cunningham ball screen, my my like theory is it's just like the awful spacing. Like they just have like no spacing because of some of the lineups that they run out on the floor. They face like hedging and like extra help off ball at the ninth highest rate in terms of possessions per game, the eighth highest rate. So I would expect the Lakers to um to uh to keep running and keep sending extra help. Because the the Pistons offense is the third worst offense in the NBA when you do send extra help, whether it's a hedge or you send like uh, elbow or not elbow help, but you send, you know, aggressive nail help, things like that. Um, This Pistons team does struggle. One thing that I think the Lakers can take advantage of, they love to run this, their crappy zone defense. Well, guess what? The Pistons have a crappy zone offense. So it's a match made in heaven come, uh, come Wednesday night. The Pistons actually literally run no zone. They run no zone off zone defense. They run zone like I, I can't even find them. That's how much they don't run zone. Um, in terms of possessions, a game and zone defense, the Lakers are now eleventh in zone defense frequency. So, yeah, man. Uh, let's take a look at this Pistons defense. What do they do well? Things like that. We're gonna look at their four factors and stuff like that. And get out of here. Um, oh my god, their ball screen defense is terrible. Ew, yeah, that is bad. Okay, so like the Lakers bought if the Lakers lose this game, man, I'm gonna be freaking annoyed. You better not lose this game. Teams run ball screens on the Pistons at the third highest rate. The Pistons ball screen defense is bottom 10 in the NBA in terms of efficiency. They're the 10th worst ball screen or 11th worst ball screen defense in the NBA, giving up over a point per possession. This literally caters to what the late. Oh my God. They're a post defense stinks. Again, they, in terms of possessions, teams run post offense at the fifth highest frequency against this Pistons defense. And. The Pistons are bottom four in terms of post-defense efficiency. Dog, the Lakers do not score 115-plus points on good efficiency. I'm going to freaking lose it Wednesday night. You better win this game. That's a great way to end the show. Oh, wait, I forgot. We got to do four factors. Dang it. <laughs> I wanted to end it on a, on a hot note, like a mic drop pissed-off moment. Golly, man, I, I seriously will not forgive. This is this is an unserious team if they lose Wednesday night. Like, completely unserious. And I'm not talking, like, win by four. I'm talking, like, you better, you're a good team. Beat the crap out of Detroit Wednesday night. Don't take them for granted, but beat the, the hell out of them Wednesday night. Good grief.
Uh, the Lakers after tonight, they drop to 13th in defensive rating. So you still have a top half defense without your best perimeter defender. That's crazy, man. All right, four factors. Get out of here. All right, four factors. Uh, as soon as it wants to load. There we go. All right, four factors. Effective field goal percentage. Uh, where are the Pistons at? Probably last. Pistons are bottom five in effective field goal percentage. Only 51.7%. That is nasty. Free throw rate. The Pistons are probably last. Uh, no, 21st. Okay. Turnover percentage. The Pistons are second worst. Offensive rebounding percentage. They're fifth. Opponent effective field goal percentage. They are 14th, actually. So kudos to them. Opponent free throw rate. They are, oh, gee, oh, my God. So this is the worst team in the NBA defending without fouling. Oh, my God. The worst team in the NBA defending without fouling. Wow. Um, They don't force a bunch of turnovers at all. Second worst team in the NBA. And they aren't a good rebounding team. Oh, wait, now my, now my, yes, here, yes, here, yes, here. Okay. Chat. Lakers better win. Just win Wednesday night. This is I I might no show if they win if they lose Wednesday night. I'm not gonna. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right, chat. Appreciate you guys sticking around with me, venting on this uh, very frustrating night. This was fun. At the end of the day, I appreciate you guys so so much for allowing us to do this stuff. Make sure you guys leave a like on the video, comment. And follow me on X at Sean underscore D-A-V-I. Have a good night, everybody. Get some rest. See ya. Go Lake Show. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.